Welcome back, everybody, to the Better Board Games podcast. Um, I'm one of your hosts, McKay Anderson. And I am Evan from Being Friends. We're going to talk about, essentially, how to be a good player. We're going to start with a specific aspect of that, which is where mercy comes into play around the table. Essentially, the idea is when you're playing a game and someone makes a mistake, they forget about something that's just a common rule. Um, they forget whatever it is, and they want to change what they do. Um, should they be allowed to? When is it appropriate for that to be you know, changed? And when is it actually a little bit too far? Um, kind of what are the dynamics of that and why you would even ask that question, I guess. And we've always, we've all experienced this, like the rewind moment, right? Yep. Um, there's yep. a lot of things that we'll say, like at the end of your turn, do this, that is a benefit, like drawing a card or something. Somebody says like, all right, my turn's over, it's your turn. And then really before anything else happens, they're like, oh, wait, I forgot to draw my card. There are yep. some players who would say, nope, you forgot. Like, sorry, that's part of the game. And some people would be like, oh yeah, for sure, just draw a card. Um, and we're... I mean, there's a line, right? There's a line where you want to be merciful and there's a line where if you don't uh, uphold the rules to some degree, it just becomes complete mayhem. Yep. And I'll just say for me, I err on the side of mercy so much compared to some other hosts I've seen. Um, more often than not, if someone asks, and even like two turns ahead, even things like changing a decision, I'll be like, yeah, for sure, go for it. Um, and partially there's, there's a lot of reasons for why I think we'll, we'll get into that. McKay, what do you, what is, has your experience been with, you know, both sides, the, the mercy and the, uh, strictness of some players. So there were actually two, two instances that come to mind. Um, okay. one very bad and one pretty good. Um, the funny thing is I'm not like a huge magic, the gathering player, but they both happen during magic. And <laughs> I think there's a good reason why if you're familiar with magic the steps of the turn are very laid out and structured um yeah. to the point where you yield priority to the other player and say like all right i am formally giving up all of my opportunity to play card right now and it's your it's your turn your, or your time to make an action your window yes and that like that structure is what makes magic like a very strategic game um mm -hmm. also like bluffing and reading body language and facial expressions and stuff like that like that's where the intricacies of magic come to light but um when i was first getting into magic i played with somebody and um if you're familiar with magic there's something called a removal spell that you cast and it basically kills one of their creatures usually no questions asked um I was losing horribly at the time. I was very new to the game and I cast a removal spell and said, I'm targeting that creature. And he had several to choose from, um, but that was the one that I wanted to remove. And he said, you can't, he has protection from black. And so I was like, all right, then I'll target that one. He's like, no, you already targeted this one. Your spell just disappeared. It just went away. And, and so you, spent, you spent the card and the resources on it already. Yeah. And then to be told, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. Like it was the most harshly I think I've ever been treated in a game. I had Ugh. tapped out all of my uh, mana. So I couldn't do anything else for the turn. I had lost my best card. He was, I mean, 
<laughs> it was so bad. Um, not, not to mention, I just felt stupid as a new player uh, to the game. Um, it was just a very, very bad experience for me. Um, if I had had another one of those um, very soon after, I think I would have just given it up completely. Just said, if those are the kind of people that play this game, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Absolutely. And that to me, first of all, you told me that story when we were talking about this, the concept of this episode, mm-hmm. and it made me mad. And I'm again, hearing it again. I'm just like, <laughs> I like, there's a feeling inside my like gut. That's just like, no, that's not okay. Um, yeah. Because especially because you were a new player and mm-hmm. to hear the fact that um, the whether or not you would keep playing the game and in some cases for some people who are new to the game to the hobby in general games in general the fact that you were willing to say i might just stop means like there's obviously something at play here that matters more than just like the more than just is it fair um right because maybe it isn't fair to let you take that back maybe you did make the mistake in that case i think like who cares? Let him, let him change it. But in some cases, in some cases, it's like, no, that's not fair to change that. But if we, as, as lovers of the hobby want to show people why it's so great Mm -hmm. and that kind of like social dynamic really bothers them, then I don't know. I just say, give up fairness for the, for the, for the sake of the experience and the players at some point it's like why are we really doing this right and right if we're doing it on that level like yes if it's a competition or some kind of tournament and there's a cash prize like mm-hmm. yes weigh yep. your willingness to be kind of a jerk against the cash prize yep. and nobody can fault you for that but there is like a moment when it just goes way too far and it just is no longer fun for anybody i mean yep. maybe that was really fun for him but <laughs> it probably me. was it probably was and oh yeah so that that makes me think of a few things for one um i've had similar experiences maybe not that harsh um Mm -hmm. luckily um where i felt that sort of like just super bummed out because of Mm -hmm. a mistake that frankly as a new you know as someone learning the game i didn't have a reason to know and the fact that they expected me to know something that i wouldn't have necessarily you know learned yet um it's just frustrating on like a humanity level it, to, to me it's unfair to expect someone to know something that they've never learned basically and right and it's it's completely understandable to expect someone to ha- forget a few times while they're learning you know any sort of rule mm-hmm. so it's just it's just um yeah it's just not fair to expect that of somebody <laughs> and it's not fun either so i right. think of um you mentioned maybe there's a cash prize and at that mm-hmm. point being lenient and merciful is actually um at odds with the integrity of the competition mm-hmm. um and so that that makes you ask like at what point is the competition and the integrity of that more worth holding up than the quote unquote fun experience because games aren't exclusively about having a good time in some contexts um where would you say that lands so, that line? That's actually that's actually really interesting because I mentioned a second experience that I had had that was also with magic, and I was on the other side of it. Um, it was somebody who wasn't new to the game, but they they hadn't played in a while, um, and so they had done something 
And then they were like, uh, they, so they had cast their first spell, then they had gone to cast a second one. And they were like, oh, wait, but if I do this, because I did that one before, it changes things. So they mm -hmm. wanted to roll it back. But in between those two turns, uh -huh. um, I had a chance to play a card in right. between those two spells. And that would have drastically changed things. And right. so this goes to what you're saying is, it's, it's kind of where you're placing the ethics of the game. Because if I had said, oh yeah, roll it back, then in between those two, decided that I actually did want to cast my spell because of what I knew, then I'm the one being unethical. Because right. now I'm taking advantage of his mistake or his situation in order to improve my odds. Right. And so it's like, where are you where are you pushing the ethics of the game so mm -hmm. in another in the case that you mentioned if it's for a cash prize um and i am really merciful and they end up winning i've i've kind of thwarted their ability to be satisfied with their win if it's yeah. a good like competition and that's the point of it it's actually in a lot of ways more ethical for me to be a stickler over the rules and be really harsh so that if they win or if I win, then we can take pride in that and we can feel good about ourselves. Otherwise you just kind of undermine that entire opportunity and both of you just kind of feel like, well, maybe if you hadn't done that or maybe if I had done this, things would have been different. And then, I mean, where's the point after that? Uh, that reminds me, uh, it was about to be just two things, but then the last thing you said reminded me of a third thing. So <laughs> oh, okay. I, I don't think I should touch on all of them, but um, <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned that the decision became not just about, you know, what's fair and is this like mercy or whatnot, but it actually introduced, there's actually something new, there's new knowledge now and you changing your decision with the new knowledge in mind is a risk because you can't really know in a lot of cases, if you would have thought about that before learning the new knowledge, which when your turn actually happened, you wouldn't have known it. So a lot of the times when it, it is like this thing where actually I can't let you change your decision because I just showed you my card. Um, mm -hmm. And there is a lot of reason why your new decision would be smarter knowing this mm -hmm. card, but you didn't know that. So most of the time when I do actually end up saying, like putting the hammer down and saying, no, I'm sorry, you can't change that. It's that the introduction of new knowledge. And in right. some cases, when the player is completely new, you know, I'll let, I'll let it change because I don't care about the integrity of the, you know, the competition right. at that point. But that new knowledge creates this um, almost like a like a save state, like a um, checkpoint in the, right. in the game. Like at this point, nothing can be changed. Kind of yep. like you've introduced enough new information that we just can't effectively roll back and erase people's memories. So exactly. it's kind of like when you introduce information to the group that otherwise wouldn't have been there. It's the same, you have to really be um, really intentional when that happens, when you're wanting to you know, roll back on something and there mm -hmm. is new information. I think some, in some cases it actually is possible and it works fine when it's like inconsequential new inf information. And, and it reminds me of the, con the term metagaming in specifically there's, metagaming is used for like three different things in, mm -hmm. in video games role-playing games and board games, they're all different things. But in role-playing right. <laughs> games, metagaming is when you're, you as a player has knowledge outside of the, the game you're playing, the role-playing, but your character right. wouldn't know that. For instance, um, 
maybe your t- your party has split into two different groups and one group mm-hmm. all of a sudden is ambushed but it's a silent ambush and then you flat or go back to your own group you as a player heard about that ambush but your character would have no reason to know that and then you say all right my character is going to go look for the other group it's like no like you <laughs> did it your character didn't know that and you're you know you're you're deciding these things based off of something your character wouldn't know and the game is all about the role playing so right to me when when there's new knowledge and you're deci- making decisions based off of that in the in the board game world i i think it's the same kind of thing um yeah you might be metagaming a little bit so i think that takes us to like uh, we broke this down kind of into steps and i think uh-huh. all of these kind of encompass the like knowing the group um if yep. it's like a one on one game like know whether they're a new player or whether they're in it for like the steep competition. If right. if that's the case and you know that they want to be competitive and you want to be competitive, yes, like hold them to the letter um, of the rules and enforce that. That's completely fine as long as both yep. of you are on board with that. Um, the threshold for mercy goes way up when you have a brand new player. Um, even not even brand new, just somebody who is within their first like five plays of the game probably or in Um, some in some games that have like a steep learning curve the first like 15 to 20 you're still (laughs) like learning these intricacies and it's like sometimes or yeah sometimes you're learning for a long time Mm -hmm. not just brand new like you said and take take into account like um if you've played uh, cooperative games or like a solo game of sorts like what if the game held you to those decisions like if you accidentally like put something in the wrong area of the board that just like, and then it's like, oh no, it's supposed to be over here. Like if the actual game were holding you to every decision you made and you couldn't rewind it at all, like you just think of all the solo games you've played or the cooperative <laughs> ones, that would be a horrible experience. So just to think be, of that. <laughs> to be honest, this is a little bit of a confession. I am very merciful on myself when playing solo games and you should be because that's like that's why uh, this is actually our second point you have to know whether it's for competition or for fun you're never playing a solo game for competition like okay you are thrilled with the competition with the idea of competing against the board Mm -hmm. however you're really there for fun it's a nice way to pass the time get your mind active and have like this fun experience if it's for fun like you really need to stop and ask yourself am i making it less fun right now because i'm being so strict with the rules yeah and for some players it would be less fun for some players like you said that competition is the thing that's fun about it and keeping Mm -hmm. everybody whether it's solo game or not like keeping the players to the rules and holding them to their decisions actually creates the most interesting gameplay experience um for a couple of reasons one because you know you have that integrity there people's decisions are permanent things really matter on your turn such stuff like that but then the other reason to be honest this is a little more of a this is a little more of a practical thing but rollbacks and rewinding kind of get complicated and take you out of the flow oh yeah and that can really ha- uh, dampen an experience especially for especially for new players even so there's a little bit of a of a balancing act here because new players it's good to be merciful for the new players um 
because those mistakes are often completely innocent. But at the same time, if they're still struggling to comprehend the rules and they're watching the game go around and like seeing how the game flows, but then you oftentimes are going to rewind three turns, they might never actually get the hang of it. And this is actually something I hadn't thought about, but in some ways, holding people, new players even to their decisions can help them. I think that that that's where the knowing the player is actually even even more important. Right. And you can be a good teacher of the game. Like if you're the one teaching the game, you can be good by like when somebody goes to make a decision, not that you should be quarterbacking and telling them what to do, but just say like, you can totally do that. But remember that when you do that, this is going to happen. Still make your decision. That's just fine. But when you start to see them make like a clear mistake, don't chuckle to yourself and think like, huh, this is where I'm going to get ahead. (laughs) Like inform them of the situation of the board and just say like, all right, you may regret this like literally two minutes from now because yep. you're forgetting that this thing will trigger. I mean, yep. feeding feeding your farmers in sulking or something like that is a great example. It's like, okay, you can spend all your corn right now. And I'm saying like, you that's completely up to you. Just remember, you're gonna get negative three victory points for everybody that you can't feed literally at the end of your turn. You may just want to consider like that's that's an easy thing to overlook for a new absolutely player. and and i think that that's actually even more important than knowing when to roll back and when to rewind right. just being aware of what the new players are doing mm-hmm. and helping them because the implications of their decisions aren't you know super obvious at first and you do forget some of the things that are like like not even talking about the like deep strategy stuff not talking about the you know backdrop of your decisions but actually like the things that are written in the rules you know the um the specific uh cases where like you said if you forget to feed your farmers you're going to be severely punished and Mm -hmm. just reminding them not telling them to do a different thing but just saying hey don't forget because it if you want to make that decision, it's important to know the risk. And I think at the end of all of this, which we're we're getting closer to the to the end of this discussion, the fact is that if you like games because of the rules and the structure and everybody like being on the same playing field, that's fine. You don't need to feel like you're a bad player because you like that about games. What you need to understand is other people's situations as well. And we had, we had thought about like, okay, so what if that just is the way you are, you are a stickler for rules. And as soon as you start throwing those out the window, you lose interest in playing a game. That's fine. And this is beautiful because it comes back to why we're doing this podcast. It's to accept people's gaming styles and Mm -hmm. to celebrate the fact that we are a diverse crowd of people that have all come together under like the same like a uh, hobby of board games. And so don't feel bad because you want to be a stickler about the rules. We can maybe talk about like, okay, so you're a stickler for rules. How can you like lessen the blow with new players when like, what do you think, Evan? Is there anything that people can do to like, all right, let's say you are that kind of person. Let's still make your gaming group not hate you. Yeah, yeah. So. I think it just comes down to honor and um, preferring somebody else's preference and enjoyment over your own. Um, Mm. And that's not necessarily to say that it's always 
worth and good to have like a self-sacrificial attitude. There are some cases that is, you know, problematic, but in general, if you go, I like when games are this way and it's exactly opposite of somebody else, just be the, like, you're the one thinking about it. Just be the one to make the sacrifice and prefer what they're, what they enjoy. Um, Right. I, 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 for one, this is different, but um, just in life have had to learn to see some, someone's differences and actually accommodate and adjust my, my own ways. Because if I just make the excuse, like, this is just the way I am, then I'm missing a lot of opportunity for actual like connection and actual like a developing of a relationship basically. So it just comes down to like, what's more important here. Um, And if you have decided for yourself that the high competition and the um, that kind of stuff is more important than somebody else's enjoyment of the, of the, you know, the game night, then, you know, that's on you. That's your decision. Right. And maybe you need to adjust when you play games and who you play games with to accommodate for that, which is completely fine. Um, Me personally, I would rather teach someone a new game than play a game that we're all familiar with. That's just my preference. I, that's why I Uh like games. (laughs) I love seeing people's eyes light up when they realize like the crucial cog to their engine builder, or when they start, when they see you like make an awesome, like do an awesome turn in dominion. And they're all of a sudden like, Oh my gosh, the possibilities of what we can do here Mm -hmm. are pretty endless. Like that's why, that's why I like games. Cause I enjoy sharing them with other people and it would be severely uh hindering (laughs) if if it was all about the rules every time um and yes i lose a lot of games that (laughs) i'm not going to pretend to be (laughs) good at games at all because i probably lose more than i win um but i think that's like you said sometimes it's just better to let somebody else have a good experience, especially if it's the difference of them walking away and saying, I want to buy that game versus walking away and saying like, I just don't know if board games are my thing. Cause that would be yeah. so sad. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just, I think it's just about awareness um, and preferring other people. That's why this, um, I guess series, well, I don't know if it'll be like every episode for seven weeks or however often we upload who knows is going to be this series but we're going to touch on this concept a lot more i think because it's just about how to be a good player um and consequentially how to be a good person exactly (laughs) hopefully like hopefully these are principles that exist outside board games where it's like okay this is this is something that you can do to make other people feel comfortable and like empowered around you rather than torn down and feeling like they need to change who they are yeah, exactly. To me, the crossover and the the um, almost like Venn diagram of being a good person and being a good player, there's actually like a lot of really interesting stuff. It's not all being a good person isn't all about, you know, how you play games, not at all. Right. But I have found there's a lot that I've been able to learn. Um, a lot of stuff that I've learned about myself, just like self-awareness stuff that has come across because of games and i just really strongly believe that that board games and other sorts of games um are like a playground um where you can learn how to play and i i used to i was telling mckay about this earlier i used to um 
be an after school care assistant for like kindergarten to fourth graders. Um, and every day we would, I would see kids just playing on the playground, but then someone's feelings were hurt and they had to sort it out. And all of that couldn't have happened in like a normal classroom learning environment or something. It is actually a playground is actually a catalyst for so much learning when it comes to yourself, um, social dynamics, um, relational things. And to me, games haven't stopped doing that. Um, when you find yourself feeling really deeply like unnerved because you lost a game, you can ask yourself, wait, why does that actually bother me? And so there, there's just a lot of areas of growth that there's opportunity for through games. And one of them is this thing like about honoring a player, being aware of what other, other players prefer, knowing the room, asking a group what they want out of an experience, things like that have so much like implications for the rest of your life um like outside of games and at that point that's just why i know that 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 games are important to me and how these kinds of discussions are worth having and hopefully you who are listening um are learning and not necessarily that we're introducing these like crazy concepts but hopefully we're just getting you to think um a little bit more about the world of board games and so we're trying to make it a better world just by you know bringing up these topics um right if the players in the world of board games are better then the world of board games are better yeah and it's like like you said it's not that we're accusing no yeah. players of board games of consistently being like this it's just we all have space for improvement and when we think about like what can really make the community better the world better I genuinely believe that the that board games make the world a better place that people mm -hmm. learn a lot of key social skills and interactions how to treat each other and stuff and a, board games are a safe space to do that where I mean I can I can tell you I do a lot better with criticism and loss I guess because of board games I've, I've seen myself grow in that aspect when somebody else wins i can legitimately look them in the eye and congratulate them and say you played that really well and mm -hmm. not in like a not like under my breath cursing all of the times that luck didn't favor me or something it can just be like no like you did excellently and i am so happy that you did and i had fun playing the game and i don't know it's a huge allegory for life but it's like we can be happy for other people and just enjoy yeah. the journey of being along the ride with other people. So that's super cool. Anyway, that's getting super meta. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good thing. I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that you're on the dot saying it's not about, you know, shaming the competitive players. It's just, mm -hmm. and I think that it's important to clarify again, like even further, the same thing goes for someone who's super casual and super lenient and merciful. Maybe you're at a competitive thing. Maybe you're playing Terramisco with a group of five people, or maybe you're at a, you know, magic, the gathering Friday night thing. And you're just mm -hmm. like, can you take that back? Can I change what I did? Like I, I, you know, maybe that's actually not honoring them. Um, it's the same mm -hmm. way. Right. It's just important to learn how, especially if you're the host, um, how you can best partner with the game to um, create a fun and rewarding experience. Um, in some cases, the rewarding experience is like, isn't about mercy. It's, it's about that 
you know, that competition that who is going to be the best player, who is going to come out on top. But in a lot of cases, the rewarding experience is just, you know, around the table, you're all hanging out, eating snacks, laughing, and playing the game. And it has nothing to do with, you know, who should have won or who did win it. And so it's just about, you know, what is what is it all about? You know, who is right. playing? Why are you playing? What game are you playing? Yeah. So I guess at the end, ask yourself, like, how you can make that situation better. And if the answer is just like, just letting it go and be more merciful, great. Some situations it may be like enforcing the rules, but Absolutely. what you need to do is, <clears throat> I guess it's a big lesson in empathy, like thinking Absolutely. about the other players and on what scale they're expecting this to be. And yes. yeah, it's really easy to be selfish in board games, I feel like. Um, really easy. I do a whole episode on that, but I, I think it's a time to set aside like your ideas of, I'm going to win this or like, this is all about me and what I'm doing at this point and mm. accept that, you know what, there are a lot of other people around this table and does this make, I mean, <laughs> we've all seen like a newer player to board games or something, just start getting frustrated. And yeah. it's like, I have, I, I could do something that would really mess them up and help me. It may be a good time to not do that thing if they're already yeah. frustrated with the situation or feeling targeted by all the players or something. And I, I'm pretty sure I've done that. I mean, it's a, it's an emotion that I can definitely relate to. It's like you, you may have to take a hit to let them have a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's. I think basically it. We're we're yeah. just talking about empathy um, and mm-hmm. how to. Uh, host a game night how to prefer other people and I think on top of those things I don't we were kind of coming to a great conclusion but I also want to bring up just communicate just ask the players hey what what is fun for you guys um if you don't know it's it's easier to ask than to guess and um yeah yeah and I think I think you're exactly right I think that concludes like our formal portion of this podcast um we always appreciate reviews uh getting in contact with people i know sometimes i think that it's annoying for people to like when i reach out to companies or something like suggesting things uh sometimes i think i'm being annoying we would love nothing more than to hear from you what you want to hear about what you like what you don't don't like um give us feedback for sure (laughs) yeah no, you don't. You don't. Uh, I do. Okay, good. There were some points. <laughs> no. I was. I, there were some points that I um, stopped myself and asked you, and then all of a sudden it felt like I was interviewing you. I was like, "This isn't <laughs> what's happening." I'm just. I did trying the same thing back, talk. actually. That's right. <laughs> it's a good way to just like get it out of your mouth and like to somebody else because it's just like I've been talking a little bit. <laughs> I just need to like directly pass the buck because otherwise I'll just talk way too much. All right, um, Evan, any um, any gaming highlights from this week or new acquisitions? Um, yes, and it's not a board game. It's okay. maybe maybe a video game. I'm not sure. I don't know if you've heard about it. <laughs> it's a phenomenon, an internet phenomenon in, in the most way possible. It's called Blaseball. Blaseball? Do you know what Blaseball is? No, how do you even it's spell that? Just baseball with an L after the B. It's a, okay. spl- it's a splort. <laughs> Um, baseball is is kind of like a fantasy sport league kind of thing where you have a bunch of teams 
Um, and it's basically a simulation, putting them against each other in a season where there's like a tournament. Mm -hmm. You put two teams against each other. There's a ton of stats about like why they would, you know, which one would win in which situations and stuff. And then you basically watch mm -hmm. um, all these games go on in real time or sorry, way faster than real time. There's a whole game every minute, sorry, hour, not minute. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole, I think five games every hour. Um, and you can, you can bet money on which team you think is going to win. You can get passive income by idolizing a specific player. And when they do good, you get money. So it's like this economic thing, but more than anything, it's just this weird experiment in um, fandom culture coming together with game developer, coming together with game developers and creating something that I've never seen before because it's just, it's just a phenomenon. There's some videos about it on the internet. We'll put it in the show notes and I'll send it to you. Um, from shut up and sit down um or not from him he has another youtube channel um called people make games but basically it's just off the wall bonkers and weird and like you look at the stats and, and you look at the pitcher stat and it tells you how many fingers they have up to like the hundreds <laughs> and just like really weird stuff so it's like it's like blaze or baseball sorry i can't i forgot that baseball <laughs> exists normal baseball it's like baseball like baseball in space and the teams are like, my, my team is the Tokyo Lift. They're just a bunch of bodybuilders. There's the Baltimore Crabs, um, the, the Kansas City Breath Mints, like just ridiculous random stuff. And the internet took a hold of it and fandom culture went hard. And so there's constant fan art. There's like fan fiction. There's like tons of stuff. Like people kind of like oh, wow. taking what the game developers did and playing off it and creating and showing like, it's it's insane and then the game developers <laughs> said yes and here's what else is happening so it's this like really cool thing that's happening this this season i think is season 12 um and there's like a season every week so it's like a fairly new thing it started last year there was like a break for a little bit but i just got into it this season and i'm obsessed with it and it's so <laughs> fun and it, i'll i'll send you there's there's two videos one where um quins from shows it down just talks about what is baseball. And then there's another one that recaps what happened from yeah. seasons one through 10, because it's actually crazy. And there's like a lot of plot and a lot of characters, a lot of like weird world building stuff, like the giant peanut God who came uh -huh. down and started speaking to the people, like just crazy stuff. And it's brilliant. <laughs> and I love it so much. I've just been spending like uh -huh. hours and hours researching and doing baseball stuff. It's just crazy. I don't know if it's a game, that's funny. Um, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. What is that? I've I've always wondered like when would the next like version of fantasy football like it's, make its appearance? It's this, and it's it's come in um the the best way possible. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this may be like baseball's return to fame and actual relevance. Pretty much. I've I, baseball's been uh struggling. Yeah. <laughs> So I've just been playing blaze ball. Check it out. It's, it's That's wild. Funny. So you, you don't actually play. You just you don't like play. put your team together and watch no, it happen. Not even that it's, it's more weird. You basically choose your this favorite is team. horse races. You just bet on a team. It's you don't just bet on a team, but you do. It's hard to explain because it's kind of like this economic, like betting game, but it's also less about that and more about, I, there's just so much 
to know that I can't tell you. <laughs> okay. um, I'll, I'll go the, watch the, the video. The, video the videos will explain it in a way that makes it way more interesting. <laughs> I promise you, check this thing out. It's like so fun, so cool. It, and even just like at its base level, it's fun to watch the games go by. You put money on one of the teams and then you see, oh, they just, you know, they're two strikes, two outs. The, their last hit, it's like the top, bottom of the ninth inning home run they score three points they take the lead like that kind of stuff is just fun but okay. they pair it with like so much crazy other concepts like um the, there's weather and one of the weather events is called blood drain that's weird there's a uh, reverb there's black hole um sun too wow. is one of the weathers like just ridiculous <laughs> things they just introduced like today flooding um and we're like what does flooding do and sometimes the the batters just get swept away <laughs> It's just like crazy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, sweet. Um, I am happy to report on a completely different note. Um, you <laughs> did convince me. So yes, there it is. Came. It's still in the shrink wrap. I still need to uh, do an actual like unboxing. I'm not one for unboxing videos. I don't really like them, <laughs> so I don't like to do them. I'm yeah. just like, eh. I don't really You're get right. too much out of watching somebody else open up a game. Um, but I do enjoy jumping on Instagram, um, on Instagram live and just like, almost like having like a friend unbox it with me <laughs> instead of me yeah. just pulling it out. It's like, Oh, look, I can talk to people and people can be like, Oh my gosh, yes. I love that part of it or whatever. And yeah, that's great. I don't know. It's, it's at least a little bit more satisfying than just digging into your, into it yourself. But, I think, I think it's, I think unboxing is more suited for live in a lot of ways, but not always, but yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Wait, cool, did you cool. say what it was? Let... Huh? Oh, did you say what it was? I, I think, think you I just showed it, it to me. <laughs> Quacks of Quedlinburg, the Herb Witches expansion. That's right. I forget that this is in the YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> in in episode um, zero, uh, McKay was asking me, if we were talking about our favorite <laughs> games, our top three, and Quacks mm -hmm. of Quedlinburg made the list for McKay. Yep. And I was like talking about it. It's a great game, especially with the expansion. He was like, I actually haven't gotten the expansion. And I convinced him. So you know what I realized? What? So remember how I told you that the first time I played Quacks of Quedlinburg, I had borrowed it from somebody that did have herb witches in the box, but I just never played with herb witches. However, I did realize that it had the additional recipe books. So I have played with the oh, okay. other recipes from here. Nice. Um because when, when I got my base copy, I pulled it out and I was like, there's only one option for like the black chips for the yeah. or whatever. And I was like, I could have sworn we played a couple different rounds with a couple different variations. <laughs> and I just never put it together that when I had set aside the herb, which is expansion, they didn't have it separated out that clearly. They just yep. had all the recipes together. So I didn't know which was which, um, at which, um, but the... <laughs> Yeah, when I bought this and I was thinking through, I was like, oh my gosh, I have played with those because I was thinking, I remember there being two, the two denominations of pumpkins. And that's what got me thinking through like, oh my gosh, Wait a when minute. I played for the first time, I did play with the additional recipes. There we go. So, and that explains it. Because you, but I you also mentioned the Century Golem. Oh, nice. I, I haven't tried those games yet. Um, so... Oh, yeah, I will let you know how they are. I've heard good things about that. I've heard good things about like Splendor. It feels like a similar category. Um, you're kind of like abstract yeah. gateway games. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I'm good to go. 
on abstract gateway games. <laughs> Century Golem does actually look That's pretty it. interesting, though, at least by like the art standards. Yeah, I was gonna say it's definitely the art that got me. Like, yeah, I, I really love pretty. I really love that um, sort of like you know the golems. They're cool. Oh, they're it's sweet. like all of my childhood. Like they're little. They feel like children's book illustrations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they remind me of the Iron Giant for whatever reason. I, I mean, I mean that makes reason. sense for good reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, so, I, mean, I don't know. Obvious. That's great. <laughs> it struck several nostalgia chords for me, so I was like, man, I just have to. When something when something strikes several nostalgia chords, it's often like an I have to buy this. Oh yeah, which is why like Super Smash Brothers is Ooh. like it's my kryptonite. <laughs> I love like, another new character from my childhood <laughs> that I can beat up other childhood characters. From. Yes, that's great. That's great. Oh, we're so we're us at being friends are huge Smash Bros fans. We played competitively yeah. for a little bit in high school, um, specifically melee um but i know yeah we each have a different like preference in a way yeah but i've i, I think they really so get much. their stride with ultimate i did not love the uh what's the one for the um for the wii smash bros brawl 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 felt slippery to me and that's like the only way i can describe it's, it like so they made just everyone can't, like control the actions well you're right, enough. You're right. like they just tumble they made everyone slower everyone lighter weight so they're just flowing through the sky slowly and mm. they introduce other mechanics to try to balance the playing field a little bit the brawl was directly in response to the fact that super smash bros melee was a fantastic competitive game really high yeah. skill gap really high you know like the curve for skill is really it was really good really steep and really high and so like people and even now melee is still alive and well mm -hmm. um, as a competitive game and it's brilliant it's a fantastic game i love it a lot um, the creators of Smash Bros made it as a party game, but they uh -oh. introduced so many things in Melee that made it, and even Smash 64 was this way as well, that made it that you have a ton of control of your characters. The movement mm -hmm. options were incredible. So the almost game gameplay before you're actually attacking people where you're you know going back and forth, it's called the neutral game. They made that yeah. so well. And then from then on, the actual combos like there's so much room for expression and creativity and um technical skill that yeah. it was a super good competitive game and they didn't want it to be a competitive game so they said uh no and they made brawl on the wii and they were like it's not competitive it's just for fun people tried to make it don't a competitive tell us what game. we want <laughs> just Dude, give us what we want don't, don't tell us what we want don't even <laughs> get us get started about that because um nintendo has been making some really bad decisions about how they're treating the competitive smash community and yeah. people are really mad about it like people don't really? like nintendo anymore basically like it's gotten to the point where like we can't tolerate this anymore like the amount of times that nintendo has put a stop to competitive events is like ridiculous even there was one in when melee was um at its peak it was a charity event um and melee had been known to raise a lot of money because the the community was so dedicated um right. so there was a charity event for melee and nintendo sw swept in and shut it down and people were like are you joking like your value for it to not be competitive supersedes what we could do for charity like this is ridiculous right. and that was a dramatic example they changed 
a little bit since then, but they recently did something similar. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, well, this is what we want. Can you not like let? And what's really interesting is um, there's actually, my friend was telling me about in Japan, like this, the culture in Japan, like one of their, one of the things that's most um, not hurtful necessarily, but like when someone creates something, they usually give it a purpose. And when someone denies that, that purpose you gave it, that's actually like really undermining for them. It feels specifically like in, in Japanese culture, more of a taboo or like really not an okay thing to do in America. That's not a thing. So, you know, there isn't that sort of sense of, should we, I don't know. Yeah. So it's really interesting to hear about Nintendo having that strong of a backlash against the competitive right. scene. And it actually might just be part of their culture. Hmm. So it, it's, 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 it's just really an interesting, you know, study of um, executive business decisions, culture, um, and society in really cool ways. I don't know. Yeah. Fandom does real interesting things to just, just pieces in general. Like once fans get a hold of it and start yeah. tuning it into what they want it to be, like it's one of those things that I think corporations need to be very willing to just like, you know what? Like they've spent, like, I mean, unless I make something else that fits like the space in the category and that fills yeah. that need, and gives that to them we just have to kind of let our vision of it go and let this develop which i don't know there's so many interesting things happening and, with the internet the ease of information oh, yeah. globalization like just changing industries like crazy it's crazy and that that actually kind of brings it back to blazeball who's doing it brilliantly these these people created yeah. something and as like if you watch those videos you'll you'll see more great examples of this but like and kind of like the whole process they created something and it was weird and fun. People loved it and latched onto it and formed a community around it. And instead of the, like, for instance, they were literally creating the canon for like the story, essentially. They were the ones doing the fan art, uh, telling the stories, like putting words to a lot of these things. And in a lot of ways, it was assumptions. And, and a lot of creators would say, no, that wasn't my intention. But but the people creating Blazeball are collaborating with the fans and it's it's something that's like really worth looking into just for that sake like if you ever want to be a creator um baseball is doing that in like a really cool way because they're actually part of the community and they kind of like came right. down and the community is actually part of the creation process so if you ever want to create like for instance a competitive video game or card game or whatever Blazeball might be doing that better than anyone I've ever seen. Um, yeah. So it's really, it's just really fascinating stuff. That has well, nothing to do with what we were talking about. Who knows if this exactly. will even be in the podcast? <laughs> but um, who knows? <laughs> I think I think Blazeball should have a a little cameo at the end of our episode. We're still under an hour for this, which is a lot shorter than most uh, casts. So people have listened to this far because i i want a message on instagram or something saying that they they heard the conversation surrounding baseball uh <laughs> and super smash bros <laughs> this is just absolutely just huge nerds is all this has done yeah for real Which um, I'm proud of. me too cool well 
I guess this uh, formalings are formally uh, ended wording of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is. End. Yeah, this is the, the second end. Um, uh, hey, thank you so much for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Um, reach out to us on. We'll have our Instagrams linked in the show notes. Uh, reach out to us. Contribute to the conversation. Um, yeah, we had a lot of fun talking about this. I think this is really important stuff. Um, and I really hope that it was valuable to you. Um, and yeah, we really hope you have a, you know, have a great day. Play some good games. Go forth, make the world better.